Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. I'm on a switch! Full Service Radio. <laughs> that was so intense. What switch? That was amazing. Whoa. Oh my God. That was a big boom. That'll wake you up. That did wake me up. Me too. I'm awake. I'm alive. Welcome, everybody. Hi. You are listening to the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast here on Full Service Radio, live from the Lion Hotel in Washington, D.C. Yes. Um, yeah. Coming at you from the Glass and Closed Nerve Center. From the Glass and Closed Nerve Center. Hotel, yes. We got our teas. Did you we see got this? Tea. Thanks, Alexia, for these uh, honest teas. We're like, oh, You're welcome. Teas. The owner of Honest Tea was just here, and he oh, was like, really? Which one do you want? I was like, Well, my favorite flavor is Moroccan mint. And he was like, I got it and pulled it out for me. Ooh. Oh, my favorite, my favorite flavor is also Moroccan mint. Well, you I too. got it first. We have so much in common. You two we are do. bougie as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My favorite, I don't, I'm not a tea person usually, but I'll totally drink this free half tea, half lemonade Arnold Palmer in a bottle moment. Yes, I thought you might like that. I can't believe the owner of Honest Tea was here. We should, yeah, we should have gotten a sponsorship from him. I know, right? See, we're saying your name right now. Give us money. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Honest Tea, actually. I do, too. I'm into it. I'm into it. Welcome. This is... This is a great day. It's gray outside. It's a gray Friday. It is. I'm wearing a bodysuit. I look like a backup dancer Bitch, for wearing the Janet shit Jackson. Out of that body Thank suit you too. so much. I feel like I'm wearing the shit out of it. You are wearing that bodysuit. Like you need to wear a diaper when I wear this bodysuit. I mean, I'm I was not properly worn. <laughs> <at all. laughs> no one really was. You know me. I like to just whip it out. It's you know. Oh. No one could possibly be ready. For no that. one could Even possibly if you be do ready. Them, like, yo, I'm gonna wear a bodysuit. Well, you're gonna... also ready. You're going to the goth night, apparently. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. This guy outside was like, "Oh, he looked me up and down. He said, oh, are you going to the goth night?'" Like, uh... <laughs> with the most beautiful dog, everyone. We just saw the most beautiful dog. It's a golden doodle, which I didn't realize they can get big, but it was a full. It was a. It's a golden retriever bred with a full size a standard poodle, yeah. Standard poodle or a standard poodle, not full size, but a standard poodle, which yeah. are the big ones if you don't know. And it's so big and so fluffy. Literally the fluffiest. And so happy. It was just bouncing everywhere. I and love like, my life. I, well, the hair was like just <laughs> flowing in the wind. So I think <laughs> if I had hair like that, I would be bouncing around. <laughs> Loving life. Blondes do have more fun, apparently. I know, right? Like, seriously. Oh, my God, this dog. Well, this is the closet clean, you guys. Yes. Let's I was clean. like, honey, every night is a goth night for me. Every night is a goth night. Look at me. Every night. <laughs> closet clean it. Let him, let him know. Tell him your feelings. Tell him I your feelings. I love wearing all black. You do like wearing... All the time. Uh, don't, come, don't come for my gig. I like wearing all... I wear all black. You wear prints. My love. We can both wear black. No, we can. Gold hoops are my thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Gold hoops are my thing. Gold hoops are my thing. Don't We're come. supposed to wear pink today. today. <laughs> Which I never wear pink. Although, weirdly enough, there was a preppy phase I had in life. I'm a, I've been a fashion person since the day I was born. My mom always tells me when I was a baby, I'd hate wearing brown. Which is true, because I hated wearing brown up until, like, college. And I hated the color brown, because I was like, it matches my skin tone. You can't see me. Why would I wear brown? <laughs> 
So like, I just hated wearing brown. Um, but I also like it was one of those kids that like went through all the trends of oh totally like the '90s. Like I had an Afrocentric phase. Uh huh. It was gorgeous. I had like full like kente cloth outfits made for me, girl. When I was eight years old, I was really when into you were this. eight. Well, this is me. Are you surprised? <laughs> Not a. Not even a little bit. Like, no. are you surprised? No. And they were cute. I still wish I had those things because they had a little hat. It was a cute ass hat. <laughs> it's a cute ass hat. Cute ass hat. But I had a preppy face too. Remember when preppy was like really in? Yes, girl. I had a preppy face. Yeah. I was like, I think it was around the same time. Full on Abercrombie and Finch, Fitch. like Aeropostale. <laughs> like, you said Finch. I just want it to like be a bird. <laughs> I want it to be a bird. I want it to be that instead. Abercrombie and Goldfinch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had the Abercrombie and Goldfinch face. <laughs> it was really strange. It's really into croquet and bird watching. <laughs> oh my god! But the preppy phase was a moment. I wore a lot of pink then. That's how I got started with this whole entire comment about my different uh, trends. That's how we got here. Is that I used to wear I used to wear pink, and now I always wear black. So gold hoops are my thing, Monday. I always wear black. <laughs> Just so everyone knows. There's more closet clean to this. There's news about people doing great things in this world. They're not just us. But uh, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm totally joking. No, but there are some really amazing things happening. Joking, uh, not joking. Joking, but mostly joking. <laughs> Possibly hard maybe joking. <laughs> hard maybe. <laughs> um, so according to pinknews.co.uk... Um, and other like queer news and LGBTQI news outlets have posted about this. But Paris is Burning, the famous yes. documentary that was once an underground documentary about ball culture. Right. I'm like looking at Alexia like, I'm like, am I right? Am I correct? She's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> Do your show. <laughs> Let me drink my honest tea. <laughs> Um, too many things are happening right now. We have to put this show on camera as well while we're. We definitely do. <laughs> um, but um, Paris is bringing the fabulous documentary um, about ball culture in New York in the late '80s. Um, legendary, legendary. They are releasing a full hour of unseen footage. Oh hell yeah! Right? Gas. Right. Aww. I know. I'm so, so according to this, like, according to this article, um, ahead of the 30th anniversary, a newly remastered um, cut will come out on Blu-ray and other like additional content as well. Um, I hope it's coming out to stream because I don't have a Blu-ray player. I skipped <laughs> I the Blu-ray face. Right? Who has a Blu-ray player? I don't know, but apparently someone has a Blu-ray player, and it's enough people they're going to release footage just for that. <laughs> so get out your Blu-ray players, everybody. <laughs> Dust them off. Um, so, you know, the film touches as well upon violence uh, that's faced by the trans women of color. Yes. You know, the academic of um, the AIDS crisis. Um, and, you know, the stars like Venus Extravaganza, um, who were killed during the film's production, and how her murder remains unsolved. So there's going to be more footage, I guess, talking about some of these aspects, these more heart-touching and heart-provoking aspects of the film. As well as probably, I mean, even more ball scenes as well. You I know, hope so. I would love to see more ball scenes as well. Forever. You know, that's the thing is like I, you know, we're both history nerds. Obviously, that's how we do this show. Yeah, you know, we're not actual professors. Just in case anyone wonders, so like, don't think we're actually professors. Um, we don't have like licenses, I guess. No, <laughs> but you can call us. Yeah, professor. you know, like we don't have like PhDs, but we do have, you know, a serious love of history. 
And I can say, probably for the both of us, we love some archival footage. Oh, yes. You know, I love some archival footage. Always. Especially about balls. Come on. About balls? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just went there because I'm a child. I was already there. I was already there. (laughs) More news is happening. More, 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 more things. Things Um, are happening. Things are happening. Um, So I don't follow his music as much, but I follow his personality and I guess person out his public persona, but it's not a persona, it's him. But I've talked about him before being like becoming this advocate, this very vocal advocate for, you know, the LGBTQI representation Uh in Africa. Yes. Um, but Jindena, the rapper, uh-huh. um, he is on like this huge mission to debunk, you know, homosexual notions as being un-African and how, you know, like there's that whole thing about, you know, it was only introduced through, you know, violent co- coloni- co- right. colonization from yeah. Europe. Yeah. And, you know, it's held this dark past. And like, believe me, yes, that did happen. That's, I'm not saying that didn't happen. Like, that definitely happened. Um but then also to then erase any other aspect of it being part of the culture, it sounds like that's something that he's trying to dispel. Yeah. And so he's doing a lot of interviews, like talking about this and being very vocal. And I'm wonderful. I'm every time I read about this, I'm always like, fuck yeah, man. Like, thank you for really being an ally. You right. know, not like, just truly. not just screaming a slogan, but like sticking to your guns. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of celebrities are like that, which is great. You know, like if you are a public figure, you are a role model, you know, thank God you understand the responsibility of your role, but also like, you know, your true sense of self, you let that come out there. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, hats off to him once again. Yeah, Hats off us. to him, golf you know. Us. He's also real fine. So that makes even better. That doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> He's really fucking... Have you ever seen him? Uh, I don't know. Let me see him. You haven't seen him, Mundy? Like just... He's like... He's a Nigerian-American, mm. like, m- mix, I would assume. Because light skin. And like beard. Oh yes, I know exactly. Yeah, who that like is. fully tatted with this beautiful, he is hot. like African dandy style. Girl. Yeah, he's gorgeous. African and, dandy style. Well, that's what he does. It's like full African dandy. I love it. Um, and then as well, some really fun things are happening in DC. Um, the root decided decided the root they decided to do this no the root wrote an article titled washington dc's national portrait gallery has has moved beyond old dead white men quote unquote (laughs) finally and what they're talking about is you know like the fact that new art is being is coming into the national portrait gallery and like black art yeah and there's a contingent of black artists who are you know being put on the forefront in this like amazing a huge institution. Um, There's a recent portrait of the group of Earth, Wind, and Fire um, that is now hanging up, and that's kind of, like, sparked this whole thing. And then as well, like, you know, the portraits of Obama and uh, Barack and Michelle Obama, you know, that sparked a whole... That, you know, that started another... I guess, I don't know, another, but a resurgence of interest in African-Americans producing art Mm -hmm. as well, which I think is really interesting. Um... It is. It tends to be embraced on a more higher art level. That is, you know, cons- uh, how do I say this? More rich white people tend to like <laughs> black artists who are non-American. 
Hmm. Because it's more exotic. Whoa. I mean, that's still there. That's always been a thing. That's always been a thing. And it's something that people don't talk about a lot, but it is discussed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really proud to say that African-American artists being recognized is a huge step in inclusion, but not inclusion in respect. Yes. For what the art world means, what that whole big word of art of three letters really means and yeah. how accessible it is to so many people. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I can say. That's well said, my love. Closet clean. <laughs> Closet clean. Closet yes. clean. Now I got to put this shit back. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a hot break. Do you want to, did you, oh, question. Yes. Are you <laughs> doing something at the O Street Manor? Oh, yeah. Oh. For the holidays? <laughs> yes. Well, I did their Halloween decorations. Made yes. the place as spooky as I possibly could. Spooky, ooky, ooky. Yes. And, um, and then this past week or two, I've been putting up all of the Christmas decorations, mm. which is just next level, next level. <laughs> so so many lights. So for people who don't know what the Oshie Mansion is, is a system of row houses that like the wall's been knocked down. It's like five or six row houses that have been connected. Yeah, it's five townhomes all in a row, right off Dupont Circle. Um, and yeah, and um, I mean it was built with leftover materials from the Capitol building. Exactly. Yeah, like in the 1800s. And it's stunning, and this like wonder world of treasures and stuff and it opulence. is an opulence it is a hoarder's <laughs> dream truly um, yes. it is hoarding as an art exhibition yum he's real yes. fine yes. um and glass of closed nerve center you guys sorry it's the <laughs> um, <walk> by. <laughs> yeah um yeah it's a really amazing place i love it there and then i helped um, and it's, it's an institution. Like, people come from all over the world to come and visit the O Street Manor. Oh, truly? Yeah. Yeah, people from all over the country are constantly coming. Because it's also, like, a boutique hotel. Exactly. So people can stay there overnight. It's like staying in the little... It's like staying at the Little Women's, like, <laughs> Plaza Atene. <laughs> oh, my God. Basically. It's like Little Women on Coke and Ecstasy. It's crazy. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. But they don't actually do that, so don't go there thinking that's going to happen. They are very tame people and very nice people. They're wonderful people. They are. And um, I spent a while helping Lisa Marie Thalhammer, our yes. dear, very talented friend, um, paint a gorgeous mural on the ceiling in the pop culture room. And that's like one of their many murals that's in D.C. They're known for their love mural yes. over um, in the... Um, convention center area uh -huh. um, in Black Denali, is it? Yeah. Black Denali. Mm -hmm. A lot of people from all over, again, all over the world look at, take pictures in front of that mural. Truly. Um, and they have another mural now on the ceiling in O Street Manor. Yep, which and, I helped paint. Which you helped paint. And then you have your installations of Christmas decorations. Yes. Um, so your spooky, ooky Christmas. As festive as possible. Spooky, ooky Christmas. Oh my um, gosh. So everyone, please go visit. Also, speaking of Spooky Ooky Christmas, because my muggle job, I have to work at City Center, and they were putting up the Christmas decorations, and it's these giant, like, wire, like, silver twig reindeer uh -huh. are, the are with, like, with lights on them, right? Uh-huh. And it took them, like, a day to put it up, so they were just, like... It was, like, but it came in pieces, so it's just, oh, like, shit. reindeer carcasses <laughs> littered oh, everywhere. God. And I went up to one of them and I was just like, you know what would be so dope? If you just like 
installed them, just different parts of them, all over city center. <laughs> And did like red lights. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it'd be so good. It'd be very, it'd be very Melania Trump spooky ooky Christmas. Oh my god. Speaking of, obviously, I can't stand the Trumps. No one can stand the Trumps. This whole impeachment shit is some bullshit. But I will tell you this: that one thing that I'm looking forward to at this point right now is Melania Trump's spooky ooky Christmas decorations because <laughs> she always does one. And I swear to God, I'm giving you advice right now. I'm giving the Trump people advice right now. I'm just saying, I'm giving you this advice. If you don't take it, you fucked up. I tried to help you, and I don't even (laughs) like your ass. But if she lands Spooky Ookie Christmas again this year and, like, really runs with it, I think you might have a shot to at least live out the rest of the year with some kind of dignity. I'm just Uh, saying. I'm just saying. That's a a long shot. It is a long shot. It (laughs) it It is a long shot. But you know what? It's the only thing I can look forward to at this point. <laughs> oh well, we definitely will be having an event at the mansion to celebrate the unveiling of the mural and stuff. So Without the Trumps. With Yeah, they're definitely not. They're not good. coming. They're definitely not coming. Um, but stay Thank tuned God. to our social media and stuff. We'll be posting about that event. I might no, even, we won't. Might even so sing no. a few songs <laughs> if people are lucky. Sing and, a few uh, songs. Yeah. Well, let's take a little hot break really yeah, quickly. A little, little, little small break. And then we're going to go into our history lesson for the day and it's gonna be really fun and juicy we'll be right back to lose control you know what i mean <laughs> it was very like mid 90s you know like house music like i'm very here for that vibe like actually. i was wearing like jenkos and like a tank and just sweating my ass off yes. you know like yeah just like it smells horrid but oh. it's so much fun I, girl it didn't oh. smell good back then all right what about jacar noir and cool water yeah these people were not wearing cool water or jacar noir <laughs> what you thought you were doing. All right, people. Get out your pens. Get out your pads. Get Welcome back to the... Glasses. Get out your reading glasses. Welcome back to the BD Archeo. I'm your host, Professor Noir with... Mix Monday. Mix Monday. I don't think we actually introduced ourselves in the beginning of this episode, did we? We did not. I don't think we did. They know who we are. I mean, but you know, just in case someone's joining us for the first time, <laughs> I'm Professor Noir with... Mix Monday. Mix Monday. Nice to meet you. Nice, welcome. Nice to meet all of you. So welcome to those of you who are late to the class, but sitting in, <laughs> auditing the class. Saturday. Um, this is... I'm going to retitle this, but the new title will be Freakum Dress. Hey. The dresses that rocked the world. Freakum dress. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Get my freaking dress. Oh, hey. oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
my god, your Beyonce is amazing. It is a night of sounds and weirdness. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> and it's also not it's not nighttime. It's not nighttime. <laughs> well, it's dark. It feels like it night. It really does feel. It like does night. feel like night. It's yeah. all dark up in the lobby too. I know. What is with this dark ass day? I don't know, girl. Well, look. Okay. So you're going out, mm-hmm. and you're looking for something to wear. Uh-huh. And you have like a selection of things. And that one thing that you've just been dying to wear, you're like, you know what, tonight's the night. It's that one dress. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's showing off all the curves, showing off all the right things, showing off just enough leg, just enough skin. Yeah. You walk into a room, people are like floored. Yes. That's a freakum dress. Totally. But in history, there have been times where that freakum dress. <laughs> That's a freakum dress. When keeping that freaking dress so real, it has gone horribly wrong. Yes. And there are these times. So. <laughs> and here are those times. So. Yes. In May, Sunday, May, 1908. Sicily, 1953. No. <laughs> Sunday, May 10th, 1908. There was an event in Paris called the, uh, the Puy de Prince de Galles at Longchamp Racecourse. So Longchamp back in the day was you like... You love some Longchamp. I do. I do. Well, when I lived in Paris as a student, all the girls were carrying Longchamp bags as like school bags mm. and wearing tights and loafers and shorts in the winter. So I did that too. Of course you did. And how I did not catch pneumonia, I'll still never understand. <laughs> um, but... So Longchamp back in the day was like the place to be when you went to Paris. So, right. and it's the race, it's the race course. Um, you know, in America, we have the, the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. Um, in U- UK, they have the Ascots. And these are the kind of races where you dressed the fuck up. Yes. I mean, you put on your day diamonds because yeah. you had to have day diamonds. Of course. You know, like feathers and plumes. There were a lot of birds almost that went fully extinct because of these kinds of events. Oh there was actually a law in England that outlawed the killing of birds because they were going extinct because of hats. Oh, my God. Yeah. But this is France, so they didn't care about that. And nested bird feasts. And nested. Oh, yes. And bird nest. Yeah, bird nest soup, too. Oh. But it was really the hats that really did them in. <laughs> Um, so people like, I mean, people really went to town and some of the most beautiful photos that you will see if any of you are like history nerds out there that like to discover things and look for inspirations and evidence and things like that. Some of those beautiful photos of this time of the early 1900s are of people at Longchamp in the most beautiful clothes you can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the time, so like back then we're talking about the early 1900s fashion changes a lot. So this is like the boom of the fashion industry and the haute couture industry, which I mentioned before with uh, the Lucille, um, the Lucille um, show that we did about the woman who created lingerie. Ah, yes. Um, that was like two episodes ago. <laughs> like, what ago. is this hand Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so back in the ni- early 1900s, talking about like 19, at 1906, 1908, um, you had still had a lot of frills and a lot of like petticoats and corsets and things like that. We're slowly moving out of the S corset, which was a which was a corset that gave a woman a very like angular, almost upside down triangle shape with a right. very small waist. Right. And but this corset also went over the hips mm-hmm. as well. So it really like slenderized the entire figure to give way for this dress silhouette of the time, which was the trumpet dress that was still very popular. Yeah. And the trumpet dress almost looks like an upside down like tulip or something. Uh-huh. Um, so it gives you like this nice like rounded bell top curve from the hips yes. and then just flares out 
you know, gently starts to flare and then dramatically flares out at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, Under that would be just probably like five layers of petticoats. At least, yeah. um, With ruffles on each petticoat. Mm -hmm. um, Huge, you know, bell sleeves of lace, Irish lace, beautiful lace overlays, chiffon overlays that were were hand embroidered. Yes. Um, Just really beautiful clothes. The men were in, you know, these tuxes that were, you know, kind of like gray tie to a certain degree. So it was the gray pants, with the gray waistcoat, very mm-hmm. thi- very slim waistcoat, mm-hmm. a longer tie, you know, with a high with a very large Windsor top hat, and then a black tailcoat and like riding and driving gloves. I love it. It was really chic, really really chic. Um, and again, as fashion was changing at the time, very experimental, people creating the most beautiful clothes. You know, even in Austria, you know, you had a whole other thing of this very bohemian haute couture you know bohemian couture thing taking on so like these like idea of the tent dress being this beautiful angular dress angling out from the shoulder down and letting Uh the woman be freer in her body without wearing a corset and the idea of getting rid of the corset was very much so a part of this new way of thinking, this modern way of thinking for women. So when we're experimenting, designers experimenting with many different ways and trying to get rid of the corset, Uh as well as designers really um, giving into the corset and really exaggerating the corset. Marjane Lecroix was not such a designer that gave into the corset. (laughs) So as a fashion crowd gathered in Paris for the beautiful social calendar that was during Longchamp, um, the races were taking place in the demi-monde, which was what they were called, the small world of the beautiful world, um, were all like in their best frocks. Um, this is also known as the Belle Epoque era, which is, as many people know, one of my favorite eras of all time. Of all time. Um, the most beautiful of three mannequins, oh, sorry, pardon me. So the models, um, when people were entering, three models appeared at the races in these bodycon, long sleeve, almost see-through, very lightweight gowns. Uh-huh. And you can see they're like full curves and the, the amount of, of fabric between fabric and skin and audience was very, very little. Yeah. Not necessarily like see-through in terms of just like they were butt naked. There was underlays under this, but it was really just like, honestly it was probably just like two layers like the underpiece lead lining and then a chiffon overlay is what it looks like yeah um as the models appeared they were known as the nouvelle mavieuse um in reference to the semi-naked beauties of the french revolutionary period um it was obvious to all of them that these women were uh wearing no corset or no petticoat or chemise the chemise the underdress basically the full underdress um, the most of them, most, the most beautiful of the mannequins, La Belle uh, Moina, was immediately offered a contract by, a, by the director of the Moulin Rouge, which at the time was like the biggest show <laughs> in, yes. like, in all the world. And the designer of that dress, people were wondering who this person was. Who is he? Who is he? Well, it wasn't a he. It was a she. Yes. Her name was Jean Mar- Jean-Margène Lacroix. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a Paris designer. Um, who had long established a couture house that had been founded by her mother, Madame Margin. So Margin Lacroix, she comes pretty much, obviously, from a designer background because her mother started the company first. Mm-hmm. Um, Margin Lacroix became famous for her pioneering corsets um, 
like scythes, um, which featured elastic material and like minimum boning. So she was like the first Spanx chick. Yes. You know what I mean? Like she was like, she was basically like creating like, you know, like how we have like boosties now right. that you can get like, I don't fucking know, like, with like hot topic or some shit where it's like mostly <laughs> elastic and like four pieces of boning. Right. So it's stuff like that. Much like easier things to like put on. So she was like, let's call it the first Spanx chick. <laughs> um, and she also had, so she had her store in Paris, but she also had outlets in Belgium and Buenos Aires, mm. which is really interesting to think of. And they sold these innovative foundation garments, but her daring like, robe gown which is the thing that like really made her famous Mm -hmm. and this again was this gown that was kind of like the pared down version of all of the robe gown that already existed so you already had like this robe gown which included like again a lot of petticoats overlays underlays a lot of lays a lot of lays lays. no (laughs) one's getting laid in these things though okay and then the robe gown which was a crisscross gown that hooked to the side and contoured the silhouette so it brought the the waist in more very dvf actually it was very yeah it was kind of like the wrap dress basically Yeah. yeah everyone honestly think of it as a wrap dress yeah think of it as a wrap dress but that was the robe gown. So it was, that was like the overpiece. Mm-hmm. She honestly, like I said before, took all that shit away. And she was like, I'm just going to make one singular dress that they could wear. Yeah. And she basically made, honestly, the first wrap dress. Let's call it like that. She really did. She made like the first wrap dress. Yeah. Um, so these women like appeared at, they, they appeared at Longchamp and like, People were blown the fuck away, Mundy. Yes. Like, blown the fuck away. Mm-hmm. Like, in shock, in awe, in disgust, in, like, exultation, like, in well, no pleasure. Nothing, like, anything no. anyone was doing. It was scandalous. It was scandalous. Really? And it's not like these were, like, washerwomen that were just going corsetless and, like, full-titted riding in the battle like Helen of Aquitaine. These Ooh. were, like, beautiful, you know, statuesque model women you know that exuded elegance and the coolness and the modernity mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. and they and Marjane Lacroix pushed that even more so and no shame of their bodies and no shame of their bodies yes so this like took on like crazy within four days this was being reported in papers all over the world yes like all over the world and she pretty much like started a whole new way of dressing for instance um like people were like scrambling to get these dresses and things like that they were like going for five hundred dollars at that time like in chicago someone betted on the dress to get the dress like in like a high stakes gambling game whoa and like got it for five hundred dollars which was like basically like six thousand dollars or some shit now right exactly like it it was really really crazy just for a dress (sighs) that's wild so Marjane Lacroix, after this, kind of, like, fell out of fashion. Um, <laughs> you don't really hear a lot about her house, just because, like, from, my, from what it looks like, she necessarily didn't, the house didn't really change with the times fast enough. Um, you're talking about, this is, like, right before World War I, so right. a lot of French houses closed and yeah. or worked for the war effort and didn't bounce back after that, and new houses were would open up in the 20s, i.e. Chanel, things like that. I was just going to say, like, Chanel, yeah. And then you have people like Chanel who are then accredited for bringing women into modernity with corsetless clothes. 
Right, even though it already had done been done. Even it already been done, yeah. which I find really interesting. And I will say again, like before, you know, besides the Nazism, Chanel um, helped women. <laughs> besides that Nazi, Nazi stuff. stuff um, Chanel helped women, created clothes for women where they can dress themselves. And I think that's the, mo- that's that's the important the thing. Yeah. That's the key for Chanel. Is that it wasn't the fact that she brought them into no corsets that was already happening. It was more she gave women the power to dress themselves, which is like a lot of autonomy. Right. That's a Tommy that had been unheard of at that point. So didn't need a dresser. So moving into the 20th century yes. further, we are in 19. Let's time 60s? hop. 60s? 60s. Let's go to the 60s. Okay. Well, let's go to like the, yeah, let's go to like the 50s. Yeah. Let's go to the 50s. <laughs> I'm like, where do you want to go? Let's go to the 50s. Because okay. like if we go to the 60s, this person's already dead. Oh. So. <laughs> So another dress that scandalized the world when it appeared on screen when a beautiful actress stood on top of a subway grate as the subway was passing by and this beautiful accordion white chiffon gown blows into the air as she struggles and presses to put it down. Try not to expose her undergarments. Yes. Oh, feel the breeze from the subway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Introduce her, Mundy. Introduce her. Who was our lady? Miss Marilyn Monroe. Miss Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> So, we, I think everyone remembers. And if you don't remember, you need to just Google Marilyn Monroe if you don't know who she is. And if you don't know who she is, I, I'm sorry. Like, that's. We can't help you. That's, I'm not going to help you. <laughs> I'm not even going to help you. There's no excuse for that. Mm-mm. That was a wonderful woman. I'm really sad that she's dead still to this day. And I, I never knew her, but I think she would have been great if she had survived. She was fabulous. She was fabulous. Um, we're going way too far into the left field. But. Well, she's just such a classic example of someone who was truly a sensitive artist. Yes. You know? Yes. That just kind of let, you know, shit got to her. Yes. So, um, in the movie uh, Seven Year Itch, um, Marilyn Monroe is seen in a scene where her and her co-star Tom Orwell... Orwell Exit the Translux 52 Second Street Theater, which at the time was located a little tidbit on Lexington Avenue in Manhattan. I was just going to say on Lexington, yeah. Yes, but it's since moved, or I think it's closed, if I'm not mistaken, it's closed. Um, Having just watched the 1954 horror film Creature from the Black Lagoon, so it's a little reference movie in the movie. Creature from the Black Lagoon. When, like I said before, she hears, they exit out of the movie theater, she hears the subway passing by on the grate. She stands on the grate, and then the subway, the wind from the subway blows her dress into the air. And what did she say again, Mundy? Oh, the breeze from the subway feels so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A little information about, a little tidbit about this scene, actually. Originally, the scene was scheduled to shoot on the street outside the Translux at 1 a.m. on... Um, September 15th in 1954. However, the presence of the actress and the movie cameras caught curiosity of hundreds of fans, so the director, Billy Wilder, uh, was forced to reshoot the moment on set um, on the set of 20th Century Fox. So he never actually got to shoot it in front of the movie theater. Yeah. (laughs) The depiction of Monroe over the grade um, has been compared to similar events in um, a 1901 short film, What Happened on 23rd Street in New York City. And it's also been described as one of the iconic images of the entire 20th century. So y'all hear that, right? 
That's you don't, wild. like, if you don't know who she is, there's no excuse. Um, iconic. Iconic. And it's interesting to, like, see that, like, art begets art. That mm-hmm. in 1901, at, like, the beginnings, the birth of the film industry. Right. That this was also a, a very similar scene. Mm-hmm. And I tried to find it. Actually, I, ha- I haven't been able to find it. Like, I found some, I found a title for it on YouTube but it wasn't the scene oh. like I saw no wind there was no wind in the scene there was no wind so I assume it wasn't was no that breeze. one I, there was no breeze so I assume you needed those elements <laughs> um, the dress itself um, just to go into it and why this dress is so scandalous let's think about what the 1950s represented we are at the end we are this is a, years this is the next decade after World War II. Right. this is the ultimate in the baby boomer generation this is the mm-hmm. ultimate in creating you know life in America and what the American dream is all about. Mm. Modernizing that American dream mm-hmm. truly. We're yeah. accessible. Making the American dream work for people. Bring it Because we were getting brought out of the Depression and into, you know, economic, you know, achievement. And so the whole thing about the idea that what Hollywood did was really important for the culture. Yeah, especially Hollywood. Especially Hollywood. I think Hollywood... I think I mean like I can honestly say that for the fifties Hollywood led the American rhetoric. They created the fantasy that yeah. everyone needed. Yeah. That escapism that everyone was so thirsty for. And they tantalized people and they gave people imagination. Yes. And so with this whole idea of creating family, you can imagine that, you know, so, uh, uh, a system of I don't want to say solidarity. Um, what am I thinking of? Um, when you're covered up. I'm like losing my words right now. I don't know why I'm losing my words. Well, very like conservative. Conservative. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yes. A, a conservative system you would imagine would develop. Um, so someone like Marilyn Monroe really pushed the boundaries of the conservative system of America. Yes. Um, but also she was accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, she was an acceptable form of that. And she was over- overtly sexy for that time, but then also wasn't. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what were you, you... Well, she's just, you know, she created new beauty standards for people and her voluptuousness kind of made her sexy whether she was trying to or not. It's like, you know, she would just run into a scene. She just happened to have big-ass titties. Well, you know what's really interesting about that? Did you just said that, too? I think to myself, so... Right before that, during World War II, you had a lot of rationing. Right, uh, exactly. Had, and then in the 19... So, let's me go back. Belle Epoque, the body standard for women was very curvy and busty. Yes. With small waist. Uh-huh. World War One into the 20s, small, long, lean figure. Yeah. Due to people were rationing so much that a lot of people lost weight. Yeah. So now dressing for this new body shape and now seeing the attraction, this new body shape, that was the new beauty standard. Yeah. Into the 30s, which we're still, again, going into a depression. Uh-huh. So that idea of, again, that long, lean body shape. Right. In the 40s, you're back into wartime again. You're back into rationing. Yes. By the 50s, you're now at peacetime. And it's interesting how this mode of achievement in the early 20th century, very, very beginnings of the 20th century for Americans, the female figure was curvaceous. And they were going back to another period of economic achievement in the mid-20th century for America. And the female figure standard is 
back to now curvaceous. Right, which I feel like we've finally gotten back to now. Like in present day, we're finally, once again, able to celebrate curves and, you know. Exactly. Thick as cake. Which there's supposed to be economic change been happening. That's what they keep reporting in this time, but mm-hmm. we don't always see it. But yeah, um, you know, and then here comes this all-American like farm girl. Exactly. Like Norma Jean. Exactly. Which is who Marilyn Monroe was before she became Marilyn Monroe. Norma Jean was a healthy ass corn fed right? farm girl. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you she know? was like the all American next door. Big lips. Mm-hmm. Little in little like, you know, inbred face. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. They did a lot to her. One big friend. eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Let's take a little... We're going to stop here, actually, because we have a lot more to talk about this. So much scandal we have to so discuss. Much, we have more scandalous dresses to discuss. So we're yes. going to hold off until next week. Okay, I love and that. And we're going to come back to next week. We're going to definitely talk about one of the f- most scandalous dresses, Monica Lewinsky's dress. Oh, that's just so nasty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I definitely want to say, let's talk about some really fabulous glamorous dresses like Cher's Bob Mackie dress. Yes. At the Oscars. Oh, there's so much scandal. There's so much scandal. Well, everyone, that is our show for this week. You're listening to the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast here on Full Service Radio, always broadcasting live at the Line Hotel on Fridays. (laughs) Um, We will be back in two weeks. I think so. Yeah, because we won't be here next week because we're all leaving the podcast and closed nerve center. We're going to go all to the Alps (laughs) on my private jet. I wish we were. Yes. We should like hook that up. Um, wow yeah so everyone have a beautiful holiday have a beautiful holiday appreciate time with your family or chosen family i love a friendsgiving i I do love a friendsgiving i do love a friendsgiving uh stay grateful stay grateful um it's also a good time to give back to others but also remember this it's always a good time to give back to others okay not just on the holidays exactly but it's a great time to start Mm -hmm. um be safe have fun and we will see you soon yay Bye. bye Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.